is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Off the Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Except this time it is Cobham Crew time. That's right, but you already know that we got Phil at Chelsea Youth here bringing an academy update. Phil, how is it going for you over there? Yeah, it's good. We're we're back after uh, a Christmas break and extended. Christmas break because of weather and we'll get into that because we haven't really returned fully across the board but yeah we're back plenty of academy football plenty of loan move shuffling uh, and plenty of first team representation over the last month um, despite all of the shiny new signings coming in and the seven and eight year contracts and amortization are plenty there's still room for the odd academy graduate in the first team which has been quite encouraging so far yeah uh some players are starting to get a little bit more it seems like trust and faith from potter uh which we'll touch about but obviously we we want to start with the academy right we start with uh with the teams playing there over at Cobham and occasionally in King's Meadow when it's not a frozen pitch unfortunately uh the women's team being abandoned most recently so um just to remind everybody we've had some coaching changes in the dev squad uh, we had a bit of a, a relegation battle last season. Survived. On the last day, with five minutes to go. Against Spurs. It as, as fine as the margins can get. Not this season. Nuh-uh, oh, Phil. No. Oh, no. Title challengers, baby. Just beating Fulham. Um, it is a completely different season. Uh, let us know, how is it going? How far are we into the season? Uh, is it as simple as the coaching staff? I mean, what's going on with the dev squad, the U21s? They are title challengers. They are top of the PL2 table. Uh, they've played 15 of 26 games, so a little over halfway. Manchester City do have a game in hand and can go back top. But they are right back in it. They haven't lost a league match since August. They're in fantastic form. And they've they've returned uh, in 2023 with three wins out of three in the space of a fortnight. They went to Leicester on January the 9th and they won comfortably 2-0. Dion Rankin and Charlie Webster scoring the goals. Then they had Wolves at King's Meadow at the end of that week. Dion scored again. Uh, Mason Burso scored there. And this past weekend, they were at Fulham, who uh, one of the two teams to inflict a defeat on them. It was back in August in a game where Ben Chilwell, Trevor Chaloba, Carney Chukwemeka all played in a slightly disjointed Chelsea performance. They lost 3-0 at home to Fulham with a Luke Harris hat-trick. This time they went to Fulham's training ground in a match that was 10 minutes away from King's Meadow but was on because for some reason Fulham have undersoil heating on their match pitch at their training ground. Uh, and they came through with a 4-2 win. Um, Burstow scored again uh, after Cesare Cassidy had opened the scoring. He's in good goal-scoring form. Basher Humphreys, who of course made his first team debut at Manchester City earlier this month, he scored the third. Uh, and Malik Mothersill uh, secured the points at the end. Fulham scored twice to make it 3-2 uh, and made it a little bit hairy, but Chelsea were f- deserved winners on the day. Uh, 4-2 is a little bit flattering to Fulham uh, and it means that they're top of the league comfortably in a title chase and it's it's all in their hands. They've still got a game against Manchester City away, which is the third last game of the season as we stand. But what what a turnaround from the start of this year where we spent every update talking about the permutations for avoiding relegation and a slog of five consecutive away matches and trying to pick up points and watch what Leeds were doing. And, and now we're, we're watching what other teams are doing, but for far more exciting reasons yeah without a doubt is it as simple i know gaga slanini got his first minutes for the club isn't that right he did he kept a clean sheet against wolves um didn't have a whole lot to do to be perfectly honest but it was good to get the first sighting of him 
a little bit of debate about his height. Um, listed as 194 centimeters, six foot four in MLS media guides. Didn't particularly look it. Uh, I Kings thought Meadow, the but same been, thing. Being assured that he measures in roughly around the same internally at Chelsea, and he is <laughs> undeniably remarkably well built for a teenage goalkeeper he is broad he has strong upper body and sometimes that can make him look shorter so no reason to worry about it on a height basis plus he's probably still growing but um yeah he was away on international duty mm-hmm. uh, for a u.s prospect style camp a lot of looks ahead of 2026 so uh he was away and didn't play at fulham uh, lucas bergstrom came in for that one we'll talk about him and some other loan moves a bit later but it looks like slonina is going to get a little bit more playing time for the development squad for the rest of the season, assuming he doesn't go on loan, which is a possibility. Right. So, yeah, very pro-American take there. He's in California in the January camp uh, with the U.S. men's national team as a 19-year-old goalkeeper. Love to see it. Um, all right. What's changed from last season versus this season? I think there's like two main things, right? And I'm not saying one's working and one doesn't matter. I'm just wondering if you can kind of like split the difference maybe uh, between these two. Obviously, new coaching staff, right? Yeah, you got a new head coach coming in. But then you also have a couple of like very big signings in the academy. Um let me see. So like obviously the first big one is um um Omar Hutchinson from Arsenal and then the next one being Cesare Casade from uh Milan. Yeah, look, the you can't deny that the recruitment has had a massive impact. You you spend a lot of money to go out and get some of the best young prospects in the world and add them into a PL2 player pool, you're going to immediately elevate your level of performance. Uh, but it, it hasn't just been about recruitment. It hasn't just been about the coaching change with Mark Robinson replacing Andy Myers. I think Andy Myers got a lot of uh, flack for the relegation season when people don't remember the work that he's put in in the academy. He led an unbeaten season um, to title winners uh, in the season that was ended prematurely by the pandemic. And he had some quality players in there that have gone on to achieve some great things in football. Tino Livramento, um, with he's worked with Southampton before injuries, probably the highlight of that. But there, there comes a time where it's right for a refresh, and and Robinson and his coaching staff, James Simmons is there, Andy Ross is there. Uh, they've they've empowered this team to be flexible and versatile, and uh, and able to take on any comer. So they 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 played three at the back against Fulham. They played four at the back against Wolves. They played a hybrid system sort of at Leicester and players like Dylan Williams playing on the right when he's typically plays as a left wing back or a left full back or a left winger. Dion Rankin will move from right wing back to left wing. Anyone of Cassaday or Ben Elliott can move around the various midfield roles. Zach Sturge will play left centre back or left wing back. And having that flexibility um, and the coaching chops to, to pull it all off has been quite impressive to watch because they're dynamic enough to adjust to the needs of each game and their record speaks for itself. I think we were talking in one of the early season updates about how it didn't seem like it had all come together yet as a new coach trying to get his ideas across with a new group and players settling in from new uh, we've moves from other clubs or from overseas in Cassidy's case. But now we're looking at them as a unit that have come together and gelled and uh, are on a long domestic unbeaten run and it's only... Cheltenham who've beaten them in any competition since August and that was in the EFL trophy with a a much much weakened team Hmm. yeah no I mean it's good to see you know I I assume fresh ideas help but at the end of the day you know the the quality and 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 the recruitment that 
you know, I think that a lot of us felt like the academy was given was was really impressive, uh, without a doubt. And you're seeing just probably just good, solid strategy all coming together, right, under Neil yet again. And like I said, it's not to 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 point the blame at Andy and, and, and his staff and what they did. Like you said, sometimes things just don't click or there's a lot of just, uh, you know, variable factors to go into. But it, look, at the end of the day, we are super excited uh, to watch this team cook again, baby. It's been fun. Uh, it's been a fun season, you know, top of the table, beating Fulham 4-2. There's a lot of momentum behind this team. Uh, we'll talk about it in the third part, kind of what might happen, though, if players start to go on loan because they are doing so well at this level. How can we challenge them in full men's football? But at the time, uh, you know, something to, to you know, enjoy and just uh, kind of reclaim that top dog status. Yeah, it'll be great. I mean, they used to be in at the top of the PL2 last season was an absolute anomaly. Um, no two ways about it. And once they secured survival on the last day, there was plenty of chat from Norman, more than one person in the academy of this isn't going to happen again. We already know what we want to improve. We, we've we got the recruitment. And this was sort of very early days of the new ownership. They didn't necessarily know the the extent to which they'd be supported financially and to go out and and to spend 15 million euros on Cassidy and a handsome sum on Hutchinson. But it, it's, it goes beyond that as well because you can you can a- accentuate the quality within your academy by bringing in those players who can raise the bar for everybody. And even before that, Dylan Williams came in from Derby, Zach Serge from Brighton, two players who were desperately needed to help restore a, a tactical balance to the team, which we've, we've spoken about how Chelsea lacked left-sided options. And all of this is to say that it's coalescing into a team that has that can beat you in many different ways and it's a different player each week that's stepping up. You'll have the consistency throughout the season of a Bursto of a Dion Rankin in particular who's been fantastic but then Malik Mothersill had a really tough first half of the season and was absent through illness and injury didn't get his starts but since mid-November onwards um, World Cup break notwithstanding he gets an opportunity to play. He makes an impact. He's scoring. He's assisting. You know, ben Elliott will have a run of games where he's fantastic. Charlie Webster's coming into a real groove since Christmas. He's, he's played very well in all of his matches. Uh, Alfie Gilchrist has rebounded from a couple of, I wouldn't say shaky moments earlier in the season, but it wasn't his best form. He's been really, really good. They kept three consecutive clean sheets before the Fulham game. It's it, there, You know you're going to get unpredictability from young players, but to see a team come together and say, right, I'm going to carry the team this week because these guys aren't necessarily having their best game. Um, it's been really rewarding to see. And as a, as, a, as, a, as a collective, they've been great. As individuals, they've had their spells. And if that all comes together into everyone pulling in the right direction towards the end of the season, I don't see why they can't win the PL2. All right. Well, uh, that is a great update on the, the Dev Squad, the U21s. Again, uh, more to come on that one. But we are going to pivot over to the 18s. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break. Thank you the sponsors for Financial Sporting Show. And we'll be right back. All right, U18s, you know, we've talked about this. And again, for people that are just jumping in on the Cobham Crew train here, uh, the U18s are electric, just in general. There's never not a season when the U18s aren't electric because I feel like they're at the age, Phil, where they are encouraged to take risks, right? It's more of like we would rather win 5-3 than 1-0 and play low defensive block football. 
Um, and that is Pretty exactly much. what we're see- we're seeing with this team yet again. It's fun. Yeah. So when players leave their schoolboy years and sign scholars and then turn seventeen, they're eligible to turn professional. It's the phase. It's the it's the professional development phase. They're learning to be professionals. They're learning what it takes to win. Uh, but they're still youngsters and they're finding their way. And what that typically manifests itself in in youth football is wide open games. The majority of teams do play open attacking football. There are a few who tend to try to sit back in, in, in low blocks and frustrate. And sometimes you're going to need to do that. Chelsea have done it themselves this season against one or two opponents who are comfortably better. That's the way it works. But they're, they're a young group. They're a, a very interesting group. Um, unfortunately, most of January has been um, sidetracked by games cancelled or rearranged due to weather. They've only had one game since we last spoke. Uh, a very handsome 7-1 win against Norwich City in the league, which keeps them third. Um, they'll go second with a game in hand, if, uh, which will be played much later in the season if they win that. Everybody's chasing West Ham, who've played 12, won 12, um, 16 points clear of anybody else. I think it would take something utterly remarkable to catch them now. But they still have the FA Youth Cup, which is, as we speak, meant to be played on Thursday against Cambridge United, having been rearranged from Wednesday, having been rearranged from last week because Cambridge's stadium suffered some damage in high winds um, to the main stand. It wasn't safe to host any fixtures, so it's been rescheduled a few times. But long story short, they beat Bradford in round three in a game that itself was delayed by three weeks due to weather and Christmas. If they beat Cambridge in round four, they host Sheffield Wednesday in round five, a match with no disrespect to Sheffield Wednesday. They would expect to win as a Category 1 academy at the top end of things versus a, a Category 2 academy that has tended to struggle recently. And then the competition can be fairly wide open after that. It's pointless looking too far ahead, but Manchester United were the winners last year. They're out. Nottingham Forest were the runners-up last year. They're out. Manchester City are still in it, obviously. West Ham are still in it, but... It'll be the luck of the draw. Um, We can go back to that 7-1 against Norwich because it was not only a comprehensive win, but it was done without six of their more influential players who were all away on England under-17 duty. So Teddy Curd, Keanu Dyer, Tyreek George, they were all away. Josh Ashenpong. Um, And they missed uh, Travis Akomer, who got injured against Bradford and will be out for a little while. Um, But they went up there. They had a couple of schoolboys in the starting eleven couple of under-15s on the bench. Um, and they ran away with it. They, they had five goals at half-time. Finished with seven. It was two each for Donnell McNeely and Louis Flower, the two strikers. And two for Leo Cardoso, who was making his first start for the youth team. A couple of sub-appearances since. He signed from West Brom, sort of middle of 2022. Um, and then got injured and was out until November time. But he has represented England and Portugal at under-16 level. Really talented, left-footed attacking midfielder and got his first start here and made a real impact. I love to see it. You know, it's funny because we always get excited about um, the academy players getting on the bench or even getting in minutes with the first team, even if it's the League Cup or, you know, whatever. It's the same thing for these kids. They're 15 and 16 getting in the game or on the bench for the U18s. And, And that has to be exciting for them too. You know, just think back to like, being younger or whatever and like having those types of opportunities to play up whether it's in high school or you know club and things like that and so just what um you know great opportunities for those younger kids to get exposed to such a high-flying um talented team at the 18s yeah and it's usually around this time of the year where 
some of the older second years will move up to the development squad because the development squad's better performers are going out on loan. There's a reshuffle and then you start to try to introduce uh, the next crop, the under-16s who are getting scholarships. And we've, we've seen Frankie Runham play a lot this season. He, he He's another one. We talk about versatility. He is nominally a uh, centre-forward or an attacking midfielder of some versatility. He played on the right wing back in this and it's not the first time he's done that this season either. Cardoso is an under-16. Keanu Dyer, away with England, has been a regular in the team. He's an under-16. Then we've had a couple of appearances for one or two others and then an under 15 in um Shamara Muka who came from Brighton he's not going to um it's not going to be his only appearance this season either lots of them will feature in that under 17 cup they're in the quarterfinals away to Southampton that was meant to be played this this week but because the youth cup has been rearranged they've delayed that until mid-February but that'll be a competition they want to win um and the problem with me saying that the second years tend to go up at this point is that most of them have been injured this season so they haven't had an opportunity to get the minutes they need so Zane Silcott Dubry's only just come back from injury uh, had a really impactful performance against Bradford in the Youth Cup uh, Ronnie Stutter who signed a new contract um, has just started to get back on the pitch played some minutes in a in-house friendly that they needed to keep everybody ticking over but uh Leo Castledine's probably the one who will move up. Brody Hughes has started to get back on the bench again for the dev squad after a season where he too has had injuries and illness keep him from developing as much as he'd like. But start to look for some of the first years who haven't had as many minutes to get, like Noah Hay, he'll get some more minutes. Caden Wilson, who was injured, he'll come back. When Atto Amper's back from injury, he'll be a really dynamic addition. You start to see a few more names that you haven't seen for the first half of the season, but there's a lot of talent running through this group. Well, I am obviously always excited uh, when you get to see seven goals, just one after another. Um, when they get to go on from one to the one. Um, I guess you talked about Leo Cardoso real quick. I just I just have a quick follow on him. You know, you said he's a U16. Did his family move to London? You know, I know the rules are a little bit different at that age. How do we have a Portugal youth international uh, amongst the ranks at Cobham? I'm sorry, La Cobham. <laughs> well, I, I think he was born in Portugal, but I don't know off my head. Um, but either way, he was in West Brom's academy for the best part of a decade. Gotcha. Um, family will have relocated to the UK at a young age. It's, it's the same situation as Liverpool's Fabio Carvalho, formerly of Fulham. He was born in, in Portugal, but was in England from a young age um, uh, and with Fulham for a long time. Uh, that You could find loads of examples. Jamal Musiala, born in Germany, moved to the UK at seven, spent 10 years at Chelsea, went to Bayern Munich. Happens all over the place. And more and more these days, you're finding players not just with dual heritage and can represent two countries, but three, four, five. There's, there's so much diversity in second and third generation um, children that... You'd struggle to find a player at Chelsea who isn't eligible for another country. Um, and certainly while you're 15, 16 and figuring out your future and you don't have to commit to a country until you're playing under 17 football, experience everything you can experience. Go out and see what England have to offer, what Portugal has to offer, what different games programs and just soak it all in because it can only enrich your development. And then lastly, um, you know, you'd mentioned that 
only gotten to play a couple times with the 18s. You know, the weather has been rough over in, in England. I mean, it's that time of the year, though. No real surprise. You know, like we just said, even in Kings Meadow, it's not a heated pitch. The women's team had to abandon their match due to safety concerns. Um, the 18s are even further down the pecking order. So um, I guess, are we going to get to a, a congestion issue later on in the season? How, yeah, what's your kind of probably. outlook for the rest of the season if they've only played two games since the 23rd of January as we record? Yeah, so it's been two games in 51 days and they haven't had a home game at Cobham since the 29th of November. It's just the way things have gone right now. Uh, there, there may be some congestion later in the season. April will be busy. It will be busier if they get to the Youth Cup semifinals and final. It'll be busy if they get into the... Uh, semis and final of the under 17s cup as well and that's the way it's been before Chelsea had fought on m multiple fronts uh, when they were reaching UEFA Youth League finals and what that means is that they'll eventually have to potentially sacrifice the league campaign where they're not going to win it because West Ham are so far in front and start to use younger teams in that and chase the silverware chase the youth cup chase the under 17 trophy uh, which has its benefits. We've seen it numerous times over the years where every all the graduates who are in the first team now, Reese James, Mason Mount, uh, the ones who came before them, have all played up as under-15s or under-16s in the youth team, getting their experiences. Typically at the end of a season where there's a lot going on and you just need to find a way to fulfil three fixtures a week. Um, it's not necessarily the most conducive to elite development but at the same time this is the sort of thing that you will face if you're having a 50-60 game senior season chasing the Premier League the Champions League the FA Cup the League Cup uh, and you've, you've got to get up and go again for a game in three days time some players will thrive on it some will take a little bit longer to adapt and figure out how to uh, prepare their bodies how to warm down how to work themselves between each game it's it's just another part of development yeah, no, I understand that. All right, well, I appreciate your foresight on that. Uh, we're going to take our last ad break. When we get back, oof, we have some moves happening in the academy. We're also going to deep dive a little bit on Lewis Hall, so you won't want to miss it. Thank you again to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. Uh, all right, Phil, we talked about a little bit earlier, but uh, some loan moves happening, some loan moves ending, a uh, little bit of movement in the academy. First up, uh, we did have three players uh, return on loan. Uh, I think the the most popular of the three is Harvey Vale. Um, can you let us know who the three were and if these were planned that they were going to come back halfway through the season, or if maybe they were, you know, decided by parent club Chelsea that they wanted to do something different? Okay, so Harvey Vale's back. Um, so is Lucas Bergstrom, as we alluded to earlier. Uh, and Jaden Wareham came back from Leighton Orient. I don't think any of them were planned to return, but you go into every loan move knowing that it may not shake out as you as you hoped and, and build these. Some Sometimes you're building the precautions formally with a recall clause. A lot of the time you'll just go uh, talk to the other club and say, look, this isn't working out. Do you want a, a squad spot, a loan spot back, and we'll take our player back? In Harvey's case, it's really unfortunate because he can't play for He can't go back out on loan. The FIFA rules about playing for two clubs in a season uh, have caught him out because he played half an hour in the EFL Trophy back in August against Sutton. While the PL2 games are not considered first team within England, they have an exception. So you could play for two EFL clubs plus uh, an under-21 team. Uh, under-21 teams playing in the EFL Trophy, those matches are considered senior games. So it's as if he's represented Chelsea, not Chelsea under-21s. And he's played for Hull. So 
unless he goes to uh, 2023 season, a non-overlapping one, for example, MLS 23 that will start later in the year, he can't play for anybody else this season. I don't think the plan is for that to happen. He's gone back into the development squad, got an assist within 30 seconds of coming on as a substitute against Fulham, a wonderful cross for Vasha Humphreys, uh, which tells us nothing. We know he's been too good for PL2 football, which is why he went on loan to Hull to championship football. But it didn't really work out there. They had a wildly over subscribed squad um, with a manager who was in Shotter Avaladze who was sacked um, mid-autumn. And he had a really specific style, didn't he? He did, and I don't think it was particularly... It holds a a bit of an interesting club, to say the least, to be diplomatic as well um, with their ownership and and the recruitment structure. But Harvey got injured on international duty playing for England in September, and so already struggling to fight through however many different players to get an opportunity to play. He was then behind the eight ball in coming back. And when he came back, he'd obviously not played properly for a while and Hull weren't in great form. But he's one of three players on loan at Hull. Um, Nathan Baxter's been there and he won't be playing for a while. He's had ankle surgery and there's talk of whether Chelsea recall him or not. I don't know if it's necessary because he'll still be doing his rehab at Chelsea. And uh, Xavier Simons is there and... He hasn't played very much either, although Liam, Liam Rosinia, the manager, has been talking about him in, in glowing terms and looking like they want to sign him permanently, uh, which which may happen. And it would be a good move for him if he can get the football that he deserves because he's a fantastic player. We saw him make his debut for Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel at Brentford in um, December of 2021 and did really well in right wing back, which is not his position at all. But Harvey's back and can't go out on loan. Lucas Bergstrom is back after spending the first half of the season with Peterborough and was generally their starting goalie for most of the season. He had a really, really good start August and September, pulling off a string of saves, really impressive stuff. Um, But the life of a young goalkeeper is particularly hard because any goalkeeper who makes a mistake is typically going to give up a goal. A young goalkeeper is going to get easily blamed for it. And Peterborough found a bit of inconsistency. He lost his place in the team in December, then they changed manager and that combined with a couple of outgoing goalkeeping moves at Chelsea, which we'll talk about shortly, was probably, it was, you have the conversation, what's best for Lucas's development now? He made his senior international debut for Finland earlier this month um, in, a, in a friendly against Sweden. So he's very much on the right track, but you bring him back in, play in the development squad, get some first team training opportunities. And he might even get to be the third goalkeeper in the Champions League. If you, I'm going off on a tangent here, but Chelsea will have issues registering all of their new players for the Dortmund matches and anything subsequent to that. Um, if, for example, they wanted to deregister Marcus Bettinelli to free up a spot for somebody, then Lucas Bergstrom is eligible for the B list to serve as the third goalkeeper, whereas Slonina isn't, for example. He hasn't spent two years at the club and would have to be registered on the A-list at the expense of a Mudrik or a Jara Felix or, or a Badia Schill or whoever. So that might be a logistical move that comes into Chelsea's favour. It wouldn't necessarily been the driving force behind him coming back. Um, and, and Jay Wareham's the third. He went to a Leighton Orient team that defied a lot of pre-season expectation. They had a record-breaking start to the season, still very much on course for promotion. Uh, he did well when he was called upon. He, he he played in the EFL Trophy against Chelsea. He scored a couple of goals in that competition. Didn't really get the starts, and so I think it was it was sensible to to go the separate ways and wish each other well. There was a lot of talk he was going to go to Wimbledon on loan until Wimbledon signed Ali Al Hamadi, um, which plays in the same position. 
Um, so that was nixed at the last minute. And I'd expect him to go back out on loan um, because the plan was to go to Wimbledon. Although, depending on other development squad outgoings, whether Mason Burstow goes on loan, whether Jude Soon-Sutbell leaves permanently is, is continually rumoured, then there might be room for Jay to come back in and play PL2, which I don't think he needs to do at this point. He's played at that level last season. We know what he can do and what he's about. And to, to take his game to the next level, I think he does need to play regular men's football in League 2, ideally. I, you could make a case for him playing in the National League, the tier below that, but he played at that level as a 17-year-old for Woking before he even joined Chelsea. So there's pros and cons to all of that. I just hope he finds a good move because he's a, he's a really interesting prospect. Well, I mean, a lot of, of movement, obviously Chelsea trying to take the best option for their players when they can is always a smart thing to do. Uh, loans are gamble. We've seen it. Goods and bads. You know, we, we, we've been through it all. You know, like you, you kind of laughed and you say late in Orient, uh, you, you couldn't have predicted they would have done that well. So like, obviously, you know, he's not going to get the look in. Um, potentially Harvey with injuries and just, you know, a little bit of just internal strife at Hull. It just, it, it happens, right? And and so yeah. to your point, like, I don't think there's any red flags here, concerns. And the nice thing about Chelsea is there's, for most of these players, uh, immediate transition opportunities, um, especially because if they're going to bring these guys home, well, they don't need all those goalkeepers, specifically to your point, and some of the, the outfield players. You got Teddy Sherman Lowe going out. You got Eddie Beach going out. Uh, Lucas Bergstrom is going to have a home immediately at, at Cobham, which is which is good to see. So some departures. Sounds like Gago Slonina might be on that list. He just doesn't have an official home yet. But again, Teddy Sherman Lowe, Eddie Beach. Yeah, it's, it's all joined up thinking. So Sherman Lowe um, had a foot injury that kept him out for most of the first half of the season. He's gone to Haven and Waterlooville. Um, and Eddie Beach, who therefore started the majority of games in his absence, has also gone out to the same level at Chelmsford City. And people are like, why are Chelsea sending goalkeepers on loan to that level of football? So they're in the National League South, which is below the National League, which is below League Two. Um, but it's it's a, a more and more conventional route for young goalkeepers to take at this point of their development. And Chelsea were one of the forebearers in doing so. So you might remember Nathan Baxter started his loan moves at the Met Police and then Woking and then taking a step up at each division. Ethan Wade, he's been at Tooting and Mitchum United. He's currently at Woking, um, hasn't played as much as he'd have liked at all. Um, even Sammy Clemsani had a, a spell at Hendon. And so picking the non-league games is, uh, the non-league teams rather, for these young goalkeepers to go out and get real experience is important because development football doesn't provide you with the physical test of, uh, of being a goalkeeper. You don't get much competitiveness at set pieces. You don't get people trying to knock you off your balance. You don't get having to kick it long 20 to 30 times a game. You're passing short, passing out to the back. You don't you get don't get the muscular fatigue of having to go long all the time. And a lot of EFL teams, Championship League 1, League 2, simply won't entrust uh, the starting job to a teenage goalkeeper, so you have to go further down the ladder. In Eddie's case, he's gone to Chelmsford to replace a young goalkeeper at Arsenal who has used the first half of the season to then uh, go on loan to finish top flight. So he's it's the pathway that's been shown by the guy he's replacing that if he has a good second half of the season, he'll go into next season thinking, right, where can I go next? I'm stepping up the ladder. You need to do that. You can't spend too long hanging around in academy football as as a young goalkeeper. And I don't think anyone expects Lonina to either. Um, he's available to get minutes now, having not played since the end of MLS in November. But if the right opportunity comes along for him to play, for example, championship football, as Nazar um, wrote about earlier today, 
it it would be the right thing for him uh, i think everyone recognizes that the championship is a step up from mls and it's a challenge and in his case he would probably buck the um buck the trend he is a teenage goalkeeper but with plenty of experience already playing in men's senior football so championship clubs would have reason to see his body of work and say yeah actually he can help us so there's a lot of moving pieces with the development squad uh, and i don't think we've seen it the last of it we've still got best part of a week 10 days until the end of the window there's interest in a lot of boys in the squad um nazar also wrote about amari hutchinson and and, and Cassidy potentially going on loan if the right move materializes for them, probably at championship level as well. Um, I think Cassidy's had informal offers from League One teams, uh, which I think, with respect to him, is below his standard when he's at his best. He can blow hot and cold. When he blows hot, he's he's really something you can see the prospect that Chelsea uh, bought there, and he's definitely a, a capable goal scoring contributor. Uh, on the flip side, some of his play at Fulham this past weekend was, was a little sloppy. Some of the passing was was half-assed and you want to see him tidy that up and sometimes you can tidy that up quicker when you, you're thrown into the the lion's den of the senior environment i think he'll thrive but you, that's why for example you might have seen lewis hall getting minutes in midfield at anfield rather than cassidy being called in cassidy at his best can can handle premier league football but he hasn't shown the consistency yet that someone like lewis has um and, and lewis hasn't gone on loan some players don't need to go on loan to show that whereas i think Cassidy may benefit from that. I think I'd, I'd love to have seen him play against Bournemouth, for example, get him twenty minutes off the bench in the second half and see how he takes to that. He's in another world if he stayed at Inter. He could have gone on loan to Monza or Spezia and played comfortably bottom half Serie A this season. It's a different style and tempo of game. Uh, long way, long round of saying. I think he'll do well if he gets a good loan move, but. Uh, you might you could you could equally benefit from keeping him in the development squad and being on the fringes if he has the the appetite to to train well and to impress when the opportunities come along i think it's hard with chuck wameka being that guy in the first team squad who's taking minutes impact sub starting as this midfielder who can affect the game in transition which is sort of what cassaday does as well um there's there's going to be plenty of competition in this first team squad as we can see from all the signings so we'll see without a doubt which is a great place to be you know um and you know chelsea have been ahead of the curve on uh you know placing young players and things like that so um it'll be really interesting to see how it goes and like you said if a lot of these changes happen omari hutchinson cassidy have been key for the dev squad um who steps up and fills those holes right because that's how it works it's a it's a bit of a uh, a factory line of of footballers that a one goes all right the next man up is is ready to go um you mentioned lewis hall there and it's funny you and i were texting about him a little bit because uh obviously lewis hall has been playing any any range of left-sided positions you know depending on what lineup graphic you look at he's essentially playing left back left wing back uh a little bit advanced at times i'm going against liverpool again like say what you want it's still Liverpool. They may be down, but like it's a big team away at Anfield, right? Lewis Hall steps into the midfield playing alongside Jorginho. I thought it wasn't his best game, but you know, minus him turning into pressure at the top of the box, that was the only time I was like, eh, that, that could have cost us. Other than that, Phil, I mean, like I said, he, he did well and he played 60 minutes. You know, we needed something more dynamic going forward. So, you know, he got the hook, but I don't think it was because of a bad performance but then you said he hasn't played center mid for months at this point. So in general, what have you made of Lewis Hall stepping into the lineup? It seems like 
he's really kind of made that position his own while Kukurea has kind of been hot and cold while Chilwell's out with injury. Um, what are you making of, of, of Hall in the first team? I, I think the, the biggest compliment you can pay him is that he doesn't look like he doesn't belong. Every time he's out there, particularly the opportunities at uh, left back um, and particularly against Newcastle and Manchester City, he's played to the standard required. And fine, yeah, so Liverpool wasn't his best performance. It wasn't a terrible performance. It was Agreed. a mess of a match. Agreed. It resembled playground schoolyard football, lots of loose touches, lots of misplaced passes, a frenetic tempo and, and generally lacking quality on both sides. But um, he, di- he did some good and he did some, uh, some not so good. And you get an hour and then you change the game. But to see him entrusted with a central midfield role was really important. Because um, you can get typecast as being the left-sided option, especially when you've done as well as he has. But he plays central midfield by preference, and it's where you get him at his best. Liverpool away wasn't necessarily the best environment to showcase him at his best, but that's where he's played for the majority of his still young career. He's, he's still only 18. He's still eligible for the Youth Cup. It's remarkable. And so you've had Rico Lewis break into the team at Manchester City he's in the same situation same age group England uh, youth teammates and people should be talking about Lewis in the same breath as as Rico Lewis because he's done a fantastic job in a relatively dysfunctional team whereas sliding into Manchester City in, in, in an elite team in a role that's been carved out and played throughout the age groups Rico Lewis will have been playing in that position that he's been playing for the first team for the under 21s their 18s 16s all the way down whereas playing on the left has been a relatively new thing for Lewis over the last couple of years which goes back to when we were talking about Dylan Williams and Zach Serge coming into the development squad Chelsea had an issue with not enough left-sided options in their their youth ranks Harvey Vale played there for a while uh, and then Lewis played there and it's credit to him that he played so well that it got him first team opportunities but just just seeing him entrusted with starting minutes, seeing him on the team sheet and people not treating it as a token gesture to a youngster who's in good form. This is a player who has earned his place in the regular rotation. Um, it doesn't look like the occasion is too big for him. He doesn't he doesn't have peaks and troughs of performance. He's a very steady, level-headed young footballer and it's it's really an extension of everything that we've seen from him as, as an academy player. England tend to use him out on the left as well, which again is slightly frustrating, but there are a proliferation of good young central midfielders in, in those age groups and England's coaches have their favourites in certain roles and again, a, a lack of left-sided options. So as we move forward, it'll be interesting to see whether it's a, a long-term switch, but very, very interesting to see him entrusted at Liverpool in central midfield because it all goes well for what we do moving forward. Chelsea have been signing forwards and wide players all over the place and they still haven't signed a central midfielder. It's not for the lack of trying in this last week of the window, but we could get to February, the window shuts and they don't have a central midfield option. Uh, and that's when you start to see the coaching staff, do they really trust Lewis in there? Let's give him some opportunities against I mean, Liverpool aren't having a great season, but playing away at Anfield is is tough. Put him in in a, a stronger starting team and more consistently. When when Reese James is back, when Wesley Fofana's back, you'll you'll have a strong core around that you can unleash him a bit a little bit in central midfield. And then allow him to play that number eight box to box driving game, get him in and around the box. <laughs> and get him scoring goals. He can score goals, he's got a shot on him. All those chances that came to him at the left. Uh, at the back stick coming in off the left it's a little bit alien technically to adjust to that it's not the same taking a shot running onto a ball 
with uh, an acutish angle as it is driving from midfield and having all of the options in front of you. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done better with one or two chances. He'll know he should have as well. But it is a slightly different thing to approach technically when you're meeting across with a first-time finish than it is driving through and having options with the goal square ahead of you. Yeah, he, yeah, that was the Marcos Alonso special <laughs> for obvious reasons. And it, it took Alonso a long time in his career to become that prolific left-sided option. Uh, the fact that Lewis is getting those opportunities in the first place is really impressive. It's tactically helpful, but for him to get on the end of them uh, we, we, there's so much noise and variance in the numbers right now you can't decide whether he's a good or a bad finisher but uh, just getting on those positions he will score eventually look everyone everyone listening knows my rants about the midfield and the lack of vertical passing Lewis loves a vertical passing he loves a line breaking pass he loves splitting central defenders and that is what I love he is to your point 18 and a half and willing to split center backs at Liverpool. Like he's willing to play the ball in behind. And uh, I'm here for it because that is going to create chances. You know, he'll continue to refine and get better. But that is always one thing that I've been, that, you know, I feel like we've been missing and it's pretty obvious. But and, and Lewis even stepped up and did that, which I thought was, was excellent. He's even played in some phenomenal passes from out wide, looking to uh, get the ball either in behind or again to, to other people. So I'm happy. I think he's doing great, and I, I I fully expect to see him quite regularly through the rest of the season. You know, it, it, we've said he showed us that we don't need to rush Chilwell back from an injury, and if Kukurea has off the field issues with his family and stuff, hey, take your time, get it right. Lewis is here. We're good. We you know we're not we're not stressing. So I'm excited for that. Um, lastly, uh, uh, just real quick, we have a problem at right back. Apparently, we're going after Gusto right now, but like. What's the short-term fix this season? Surely we've got someone internally, Phil, that can help give us a little bit of cover. Aspie can't play one; to, he can't play two games a week. Uh, Reese, we don't need to rush back because he's a world-class player. We need him for the next eight, nine, ten years. What, what do we got? There's who's who's next man up in the academy that you think should get a shot at uh, at least deputizing for Aspie at right wing back, right back, and and let Chalabas slide back into a central spot where he's best. I'm glad you said right wing back because I've had this discussion with a couple of people. Dion Rankin's had an outstanding season for the development squad and he has played at right back or at right wing back or at left wing back or on the left wing and occasionally right wing. He deserves a first team opportunity of some form. It doesn't necessarily have to be a start. It would be recognition of a job well done and to see exactly what he can bring to the team. He is more like Tarek Lamptey than Reese James. He is on the diminutive side but he has incredible acceleration incredible close control and is impactful in the final third you wouldn't necessarily play him at right back in a back four depending on who you have at left back for example you wouldn't play Lewis Hall at left back and Dion at right back you would prefer Kukurea at left back who can then slide across and become the third center half in the same way that Trevor's been doing at right back to allow the left back to become a left wing back is the just shuffle across as necessary. If you're playing a formal back three with wing backs, then you can play Dion as a wing back on either side. And you can introduce him as a, as an impact sub in the final third as a, as a wide forward. But if you, if you're looking for relief on the right or somebody who can help change a game, there's nobody else in the Academy this season deserve more deserving in terms of right backs than Dion. He's, he's been brilliant. 
in terms of the loan army, I don't think it's going to happen. But Dujon Sterling is now back fit again. He's been playing for Stoke. He's had a lot of football in the championship. He's physically developed enough to handle Premier League football. I don't think it's going to happen. But if you wanted a wild card, if Chelsea don't manage to sign anybody, then you could look at Dujon. He's 23 now. He's been around for a bit. He hasn't had top flight football, but every time we, we get into a preseason with Dujon, we hear, oh, this manager likes Dujon. He, he's, there's a lot to like about him. And it's probably past the time where this is realistic. But at some point, if you like him, you've got to give him a look because he's learned the defensive side of the game out on loan to the point where it's spoken of highly by his manager at Stoke and his manager at Coventry. He didn't get so much football at Wigan, but I'm sure it would have as well, that they speak about how well he does everything defensively. And this is a boy who played right wing back, right winger, centre forward in the academy, scoring goals, but leaving something to be desired defensively. If all of that comes together, then Chelsea potentially have an option there. I just, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Well, you know who played a lot of right back in preseason? Who did? Kennedy. <laughs> but he's and gone. of course, he's not here either. You could, <laughs> you could theoretically play any of the left-sided options at right back, but it tends not to happen. You get right-footed players on the left, but you very rarely in get attack. left-footed players on the right. Yeah. Yeah, you could have him cut inside, but I, I don't. I, honestly, I don't think we're looking at an academy solution for right back depth. Uh, it's just one of those positions that we we had a production line for a long, long time. You have James Lamptey, Livramento, uh, and Rankin deserves to be in that conversation. But they'd sooner have played Hudson Odoi or Pulisic at right wing back than uh, Ziyech. Even the, 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 yeah, he's to be fair to him, he had a, a fantastic performance in that role at Anfield. He he was very very good there. And it can sometimes simplify what you're asking of him. Uh, the problem with Ziyech, of course, is translating that from one performance into stringing two, three, four, five together. Yeah. I said to you in in the previous update that he'll come back in if you can channel the Morocco Ziyech from the World Cup into Chelsea for the rest of the season. You've got a, a tremendous asset. But it's it's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Any can word if um, Dion's been with the first team in training at all or anything like that? Just know if he might uh, have like a most chance? Of the boys will, most of the boys get it. I think there's some discussion that him and Charlie Webster aren't getting opportunities because they're in the last year of their contracts and haven't signed an extension yet. That was the policy of the, the old club management. I don't know whether it's the policy of the current club management. There isn't anything to say definitively. It's people adding two and two together and possibly getting 20. But... Um, it could be an explainable reason. They, they've trained with the first team regularly. There's been merging of groups. They remember they both played in that Aston Villa friendly um, in Abu Dhabi. So it'd be nice. I'm not ruling anything out, but okay. when, you, when you're looking at, we've had Lewis play, we've had Bashir Humphreys play. I don't necessarily think Dion's next in line, even though I think he's one of the most deserving to. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's good to know. Obviously, you've got uh, a good pulse on what's going on. So I appreciate that. This has been a full academy update phil we have we have done the rounds we have done uh the due diligence um thank you it's uh, i think this is really going to give a lot of insight to people not only about the academy teams but you know kind of the uh, the solar system that is revolving around the first team and and how that might play out so thank you and that's what we're here for. It's, it's always entertaining and always really cool to talk about. And if people out there have follow-up questions, things they want us to talk about, hit us up on, on Twitter or uh, on my timeline at Chelsea Youth, or the London's Blue Feed, whoever. Um, find a way of getting in touch. And we, we're happy to to take discussion points and, and branch off on them and, uh, and answer burning questions. 
That's what we're here for. Most definitely. All right. Well, anyways, at Chelsea Youth, in case you are not following Phil, but come on, you probably are. So uh, more Cobham Crew content coming at you. Uh, it won't be till February because it's the end of the month this month. Uh, but again, hit us up. We are happy to do more if there's more interest. So anyways, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Or I'm sorry. You, <laughs> been a long day. I apologize, fans. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.